Welcome to the Books and Bites podcast. Each month, we bring you book recommendations and discuss the bites and beverages to pair with them. I'm Carrie Green, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Michael Cunningham and Adam Wheeler. Howdy. Hello. <laughs> oh. Nice. <laughs> so Michael just provided a good introduction to our topic today, which is the seventh prompt in the Books and Bites Challenge, Westerns or Books That Feature Cowboys. <laughs> so I think um, when most people think of Westerns, they probably think of Louis L'Amour or Zane Grey or you were mentioning... Uh, Shoot, I forgot. John Wayne, John, <laughs> John Wayne, John Clint Wayne. Eastwood, all those classic films. Not John Wayne Gacy. No, no, he, no yeah. No. Very different. <laughs> Thanks for making the distinction. Anytime, thanks. Um, so what are some of the features we typically think of with Westerns? I, I mean, especially Western books, um, because I think the movies – are probably different to you. Yeah, to like common tropes, I guess you see are the what they call black hat versus white hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the black or the all the villains would wear the black hats, and the good guys wear white hats. Mm-hmm. You know, shootouts. Um, you know, the lone gunman. Negative stereotypes yeah. of people uh, of color, especially yeah. indigenous people. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, queer coded, uh, villains, effeminate men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So those are some of the negative aspects <laughs> of the Western. <laughs> no, well, no, I mean, I think we should yeah. talk about, talk about it all. Um, I think also there's, I think maybe one of the things that might attract people is there's usually like, um, you know, an element of the outdoors, um, you know, rugged individualism. Um, beans. <laughs> beans. <laughs> corn dodgers yeah. is another one. I'm sorry, <laughs> what? What's a corn dodger? I don't know a corn dodger. <laughs> um, yes, well, corn dodgers appeared in a couple of um, westerns that I read, uh, True Grit being one of the classic westerns, which... Um, the Westerns that I tend to like do a lot of subverting of um, the typical typical genre features. And in that one, the, the hero is a young girl, a 14-year-old girl, um, who is avenging her father's death. So it really goes totally against, um, you know, the typical uh, Western. Um, but yes, um, you know, not a lot of um, fresh food out on the trail. So, yeah. uh, so corn dodgers is <laughs> it's basically like, um, you know, cornbread. But I think it's, you know, maybe even not as good as cornbread. <laughs> like little corn dumplings. Yeah, yeah. Gross hush puppies, maybe. Yeah, that's okay. probably a good yeah. way of describing yeah. them. I, that was, I believe, a couple years ago when we did the. Uh, Bluebird, bluebird, and I mm-hmm. think I read the the thicket, and they talked about those hard things that could like knock someone out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> their own weapon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, hopefully we'll have a little something for um, for everyone today, and and of course our 
We're also providing a little bit of an out because your book doesn't have to be a Western. It could just be a cowboy or just have a have a cowboy in it. Um, a lot of people who are not in the library field may not know that a very popular genre is the cowboy romance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I actually tried to... Um, go before cowboys i was a hipster about this and tried to look up um books about basically cowboys in mexico i can't remember what the term is right now um anyway it was it was all just romance 100 <laughs> percent So my suggestion for a Western or a book that features a cowboy is In the Valley of the Sun by Andy Davidson. This book follows Travis Stilwell, a serial killer who stalks the honky-tonks of 1980s West Texas. He's responsible for a recent string of murdered women in the area. Clearly, he's not a good guy. One night, while looking for his next victim, he spots a beautiful redhead named Rue near the jukebox and decides to make his move. But waking the next morning, he finds himself alone in his cab over camper, weak and bloody, unsure of the previous night's events. And now he's parked behind a rundown motel in the middle of the Texas desert. The owner, a single mother, Annabelle Gaskin, takes pity on him and offers him some odd jobs to fix up the mostly vacant hotel, which he accepts since he needs to heal up and lay low for a bit. But Travis finds he has a hard time being in the sun for very long with his skin blistering in the sunlight. And at night, he is gripped by an insatiable hunger in his camper. And to complicate Travis's problems, a Texas ranger named John Reeder, with his own haunted past, has picked up on Travis's trail of the dead and won't stop until he gets justice for his crimes. You might have guessed it, and yes, this book does contain vampires, even though that word is never mentioned in the book. Even though the vampire genre has been played out for some years now, this book takes them back to their gritty and bloody roots. And I wouldn't even call it a straight-up vampire novel. It's definitely more of a Western with vampires in it, brimming with those familiar Western tropes, like the lone cowboy, a beautiful woman with a tragic past, a Texas Ranger, and then you got the shootouts. And even the finale is equal to anything you might find in a classic Western film. Told from multiple perspectives, Davidson lets the reader really dive into the psyches of these fully realized and complicated characters he's created. He does crank up the suspense as he weaves the stories of these characters together. And fair warning, this one does have teeth that will sink into you and stay with you long after you've turned the final page. To quench your thirst after visiting the desert of West Texas, mix yourself up a Corvette Summer, a cocktail I first discovered on an episode of Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, where he's touring the U.S. desert and hanging out with the lead singer of the rock band Queens of the Stone Age. I rediscovered the super simple recipe on the website Food So Good Mall. It calls for two ounces of premium tequila, half cup of fresh squeezed grapefruit juice, and a splash of tonic water. Put it in a shaker and pour it over ice. It's the perfect drink for summer. That drink actually sounds really good. It is really good. I tried it a few times over the years. Uh-huh. Um, super easy to make. Mm-hmm. That's that's the kind of drink I like, just a few ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> Shake it up and you're good to go. Yeah. Simple is better for drinks. I will say, though, my brain has been stuck uh, <laughs> ever since uh, you confirmed there are vampires in this uh, with 
uh, rhinestone cowboy, but like a vampire cowboy. <laughs> That's pretty good there. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very, it's a very interesting mashup to contemplate. Yeah, it's like a what was that? What was that '80s movie with all the vampires? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, I know. It's got Bill it. Paxton in it. Um, the that, Lost Boys? No, that's, that's what I was thinking of. It's like the Lost Boys, but West Texas. Um, or the other one was Fright Night, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the one with the TV show host to help them hunt down the vampire. Yeah. This one, I want to say it's like uh, Near Dark. Oh, Came out in 1987. Yeah, I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was before I was born. I didn't oh, it's a classic. No. <laughs> so like Michael's book, mine is also kind of a mashup. Um, it's called Outlawed by Anna North. Published in 2021, Outlawed is a feminist, inclusive take on the Western, a kind of cross between The Handmaid's Tale and True Grit. So it kind of combines the Western with the dystopian novel. The book opens in 1894 in the Dakota Territory. After a flu outbreak killed much of the population, this society is intent on renewing itself. Women who fail to give birth after a year of marriage are ostracized from their communities, often thrown out of their homes or, worse, hung for being witches. Narrator Ada is one such woman. At 18, she's been thrown out by her husband and his family for being barren. Ada has been apprenticing for her mother as a midwife, and her barrenness threatens her mother's practice and her whole family's lives. So Ada joins the Hole in the Wall Gang, a band of outlaws made up of outcast women and led by the Kid, a charismatic prophet figure who wants to create a safe place for barren women, queer, and non-binary people. Ada botches her first robbery with the gang and is reassigned to healing the injured and sick gang members, including the Kid, who has a chronic case of insomnia that eventually becomes a more serious mental illness. When the kid hatches a dangerous plan that they hope will lead to a self-sufficient town and haven for all outcasts, Ada must decide if she's willing to risk her life for it. While the beginning of the book and its description of the dystopian Old West dragged a bit for me, the plot got more interesting once Ada joined the gang. I appreciated the tender portrayal of the gang's relationships to each other inside this violent world, and it was fun to see the Western's traditional gender roles and racial stereotypes subverted. But to survive, the gang resorts to the violence typically portrayed in Western novels. Ada doesn't want to hurt or kill people, yet she knows if she doesn't, violence will most likely be committed against her. Ada wants to understand her own infertility, and her motivation often arises from her circumstances. As a result, the action of the book, including a romance with a man she meets along the way, sometimes felt as if the author willed it. I would have preferred more insight into Ada as a person outside her circumstances. But North provides a satisfying ending for Ada and a realistic and unexpected twist for the gang. 
Overall, this is a quick, easy read that's perfect for summer and that just might make you think differently about gender along the way. Much of the gang's time is spent staving off hunger, especially through the winter. When possible, Ada prescribes healing foods and beverages. She makes, quote, teas with lemon balm and hawthorn when her mother is ill and, quote, hearty soups with beetroot and marrow bones, unquote, for the gang. If you have insomnia like the kid or just find yourself staying up too late reading, try brewing some lemon balm tea. Among this herb's many medicinal properties, it's known for being a mild sedative. I can report that it does make this night owl feel sleepy. Lemon balm is easy to grow, and you can make hot or iced teas, or even use it in cocktails. We'll link to some recipes on our blog. Oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. Like a, I, I, I agree. It sounds really fun to subvert like the typical things that we see in a Western. I imagine it changes it a whole lot. I honestly, I'm going completely on my concept of a Western as what I saw in movies. Uh, in that I was intensely bored the entire time. <laughs> uh, honestly, um, my biggest, uh, the thing that formed for me the idea of what a Western is the most mm-hmm. in a movie that I actually enjoyed was Blazing Saddles. <laughs> so that might be why I, I, I really expect that Westerns have a very kind of archetypal archetypal setup. Right. Yeah. And I I have watched like parts of Blazing Saddles. I haven't watched the whole thing, but it's kind of like spoofing. Oh yeah, yeah. westerns, yeah. right? It's, uh, Gene Wilder and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Richard Rich Pryor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in there. In there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, this one definitely. Um, you know, your comment about the um, the male villains in a traditional western. This definitely. Um, completely um subverts that um the kid is non-binary and um they don't actually use any pronouns so they're they always in the book they always refer to the kid as the kid there's not i i slipped in a they there but um actually they don't the kid is just you just always say the kid <laughs> to refer to the kid so was the kid the villain uh well the kid is the leader of the gang okay. but um they're kind of like a prophet figure and trying to um create a safe space for the barren women and the and queer and non-binary people all right cool beans so yeah so not not you know in not a villain but someone who maybe does some not great things in service of getting those things um so that was kind of my one of my issues with the book is that um yes they're subverting a lot of things but they're not subverting the violence um and I, you know, you can make the argument that that's the world that they were living yeah. in. Um, so they had to do that, but it would have been nice to see a little more imagination there. So it was pretty, I guess, was gritty and pretty violent. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like um, violent things happened. It wasn't like gory it, with okay. violence. Yeah. 
Or is so, it the kind of violence that makes you feel bad and you have to go you know, like stare at a wall yeah. for a few minutes? <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't do these yeah. things. I just read about them in a fictional story. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the things maybe that it does differently than some traditional Westerns is it does like uh, Ada especially feels some guilt about it. And it does kind of humanize the the characters that they commit the violence against, which is definitely not something that most Westerns actually do. Yeah. Agreed. So. Anyway, but it, it was a fun read overall and not, you know, I don't like books with a lot of violence and I, I so it wasn't something that overly bothered me um, as someone who doesn't, you know, Michael would find it G-rated, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> they could, so, well, there, someone could try to make uh, write cozy westerns. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'd read that. <laughs> oh, that sounds dusty. <laughs> okay so not gonna lie i was hesitant on this challenge uh, cowboys and westerns are way out of my usual fare so i looked for options that had cowboys but weren't traditional westerns i went the uh, of course i went the alternate route yet again uh, but I wish, I wish so much that I'd just yeehawed my way through a story on the, of the open range. Cause instead I landed on Cowboy Ninja Viking <laughs> written by AJ Lieberman and illustrated by Riley Rosmo. Uh, heads up. This comic is recommended for adults. Uh, I do a lot of teen books, but this is not one of them. Now it's kind of a professional taboo for librarians to say a book is bad, uh, what I will say, though, is that I don't think this particular book has a very broad appeal. Let me tell you why. <laughs> that was a very diplomatic way of putting it. It was. It was. <laughs> Go but I, I, I want to hear why. <laughs> okay. All right. So first off, uh, I'm abbreviating it to CNV. Uh, CNV features a clumsy, disconnected storyline with a bevy of characters Many with three alter egos. Uh, honestly, the story doesn't feel important. And I think Lieberman and Rosmo were in on that joke with weird inserts like 12 issues later uh, before dropping a scene that skips a lot of story. Um, I really can't describe the story because it's less a plot and more a series of improvised events to move characters to different places for quick action scenes and quips. That said, the crux of the story are triplets. Folks who, through lab experimentation, have developed have <laughs> folks who, through lab experimentation, have developed split personalities based on existing mental or personality disorders, or some pseudo science about past lives. It's not really nailed down. There's some ideas thrown around. Whatever. Um, this leads to anti-hero Duncan periodically having extra frames with his cowboy, Viking, and ninja uh, triplet personas, providing their own commentary and some wordplay. It's a cool idea at first, but once the book starts approaching 11 triplet characters, that's each a person with their own personality, plus three extra, uh, frames become a string of disconnected nonsense and quips that really just miss the mark. Uh, I wanted to at least enjoy the action scenes, but they were 
They were more like action suggestions. Uh, usually there was a pose at the beginning to suggest action was about to happen. Then someone was stabbed or sliced. And finally, there was a scene with the aftermath. Like there's no suspense. There's no flow of combat. Just posturing before and after and some gore. Um, not much fun. Second, <laughs> uh, CNV is honestly pretty offensive. Uh, the few characters who aren't from a white Eurocentric background are stereotypical, and some of the triplets are assumed white and have caricatured personas of non-white cultures. Uh, one had a Native American persona that was portrayed as his reason for needlessly killing a group of missionaries. Uh, I, we're, we're pretty beyond the need for this kind of content, in my opinion. I say... Uh, assumed white because uh, the the illustration style is all in very stylized colors, so it's it's hard to tell. Um, the entire cast of characters are <laughs> all legitimately horrible, under uh, unrelatable people. The exception might be the female love interest, who mostly just serves to complement the stories of male characters. Shocker! This book does not pass the Bechdel test. Uh, <laughs> Also, I did learn a new slur that describes me. Uh, and this one is in Italian, so silver lining. <laughs> Learning other languages. Um, of course, the person's persona was a mobster, so, you know, it's totally uh, the excuse for, for using it. Uh, the first issue of Cowboy Ninja Viking was published in 2009 and seems to have concluded with its 10th issue in 2010. A movie adaptation starring Chris Pratt has been planned for years, but has had continuous issues getting past planning stages, and honestly, I'm really just not surprised. There's an interesting concept in the triplets, but there's very little substance to build a movie from. What substance there is even has to be re-examined if they want to make a movie that's not just controversial for the sake of being controversial. I think I'll just read a Western next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as for the bite, uh, mosey through Cowboy Ninja Viking with a fresh jar of pickled mixed vegetables from the Cowboy's Cookbook by Beverly LeBlanc. Like the triplets of CNV, each bite brings a different flavor to the salty, sweet, sour, and spicy mix. <laughs> and you can eat them cold. <laughs> Which is good when you're out on the trail. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how you'll keep them cool on the trail, but yeah, you can totally do that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it doesn't sound like that was a winner. No, I mean, you know, there's people out there who I'm sure will like it. I'm just not sure who they are. <laughs> That's the challenge. <laughs> So my second choice is No Country for Old Men by Cormac McCarthy. This is my very first experience reading a Cormac McCarthy novel, and if you've never read him before, he has a certain aversion to normal punctuation, especially quotation marks, which can make it a little trying. Um, but once you get familiar with the style, the story really takes hold of you and never lets go. However, I did listen to this on audiobook, which made it a lot easier to discern who was talking. The story begins on the borderlands of Mexico and Texas in 1980. Llewellyn Moss, out hunting antelope, stumbles upon a scene of bullet-riddled trucks, dead bodies, and blood. He finds a load of heroin in the back of one truck and a trail of blood leading out into the desert. He follows it to a dead man holding a case of $2.4 million. He takes it and runs. 
That decision sets off a violent and bloody trail of events that stretches across the desert. The drug cartel, wanting their money back, is hot on his heels. And then there's Anton Chigurh, a ruthless and terrifying killer, pretty much death personified, also in pursuit with his own goals. Interspersed throughout the novel are doom-ridden ruminations of Sheriff Bell as he is trying to make sense of these events in the larger scope of a changing country he feels that he doesn't understand anymore. I enjoy this book so much it has definitely earned a place among my all-time favorites. If you haven't already, you should check out the Coen's Brothers exceptional film adaptation that won four Oscars in 2007, including Best Picture. Back in 2019, I read The Thicket by Joe R. Lansdale when we buddy read Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Lot. This story opens at the turn of the 20th century in East Texas. Jack Parker just lost his parents to a smallpox outbreak. His grandfather is escorting him and his sister Lula north to their aunt's place when they run into a notorious bunch of outlaws led by Cutthroat Bill, who kidnap Lula at gunpoint. Jack enlists to help a Eustace, a black gravedigger, a bounty hunting little person named Shorty, and an ex-prostitute named Jimmy Sue to help track down Cutthroat Bill and save his sister. This book is a coming-of-age story that, sh- that definitely shares a kinship with True Grit. Yeah, I remember you talking about that book, um, and it sounded like a good one. It was. It is violent, um, and the dialogue was exceptional. I don't know if you ever watched a Tarantino film, mm-hmm. and you know how he's really known for his dialogue. I, I Yeah, hmm. you know, that kind of dialogue in there. And I'm glad you found a book you really liked in the Cormac McCarthy book. Yeah, I, I've, I've had a lot of people say how great that book was, and it's been sitting on my shelf forever. And I was like, let me just go ahead and read this for this prompt. And yeah, it is. I could talk about that book all day. There's, it's really complex and a lot of themes you, you mm-hmm. talk about. So yeah, it's funny because um, the Cohen brothers were. Seeing their movie True Grit was kind of what got me into reading that yes, book. Yes, that's right. They, they mm. made remade True Grit. I haven't seen I haven't seen No Country for Old Men though. I have to. It's good. Anton Chigurh. That's a probably one of the best uh, villains in film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen it in a long time. Cool. Thanks. So I wanted to talk about a couple of books that I've talked about on the podcast before that I think fit this theme, um, probably more on either the cowboy side or, you know, a, a Western that's subverting the traditional genre. Um, and the first one is called News of the World by Paulette Giles. And this was also recently made into a movie starring Tom Hanks, and it takes place on the Texas frontier of 1870. Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd, a Civil War veteran, travels through Texas performing live readings from newspapers to audiences with little access to national or world news. While stopped in Wichita Falls, the captain agrees to bring 10-year-old Johanna Leonberger to her relatives, who live near San Antonio. Johanna has been living with a Kiowa family as their adopted child for the past four years. When she was six, Johanna's German parents and sister were, were killed by Kiowa raiders, and she was taken captive. 
Johanna remembers nothing of her life before captivity, not her language, not her family, and not their customs. She wants only to return to her Kiowa family. But she and the captain embark on a three-week journey across a beautiful and dangerous landscape, where they encounter thieves, raiding parties, and other hostilities. This book would also qualify for the sixth Books and Bites Challenge, prompt as a book that takes place while the characters are traveling. The Hearts of Horses by Molly Glass opens in 1917 when all the young hired men in eastern Oregon are off at war. That leaves ranchers, including George Bliss, more willing to hire 19-year-old Martha Lesson to break their horses. Martha bunks with George and Louise Bliss and rides a circuit among the neighboring ranches, breaking horses along the way. A big part of the appeal of this novel is its main character. Martha is as shy as the horses she trains and is trying in her own way to escape a difficult childhood. She is gentle with the horses, breaking them in without whipping them or using other harsh methods of the time. But I also love that this novel doesn't just tell Martha's story. It tells the story of the other neighbors, including a family she helps when their wagon slides into a ravine, a family whose patriarch is dying of cancer, two sisters running a ranch on their own, and others. And it shows how, in times of great hardship, in this case amid the sacrifices of war and the challenges of frontier life, a community can not only come together, they can also transform one another for the better. Finally, if you are a nonfiction fan, try reading The Compton Cowboys, The New Generation of Cowboys in America's Urban Heartland by Walter Thompson Hernandez. The book profiles the Compton Cowboys, whose, quote, small ranch is one of the very last in a formerly semi-rural area of Los Angeles that has been home to African-American horse riders for decades, unquote. I'd hoped to read the Compton Cowboys for this challenge, but it was always checked out. It's now available as an audiobook on Hoopla and Libby, so hopefully you'll have better luck. I believe they just made a movie about that on Netflix with Idris Elba. Um, yeah, I looked Concrete for Cowboy. Oh, okay. I looked for it and didn't find it because I, I remembered you saying that. But I will. Mm. I love Idris Elba. I will definitely look into that. There was a documentary that was made that I found about the – the same group of cowboys, um, but it's not based on the book. See, it says this one takes place, I think, in Philly, so it might not be the same oh, okay. group. But, like, similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, you know, that is, I think, a really interesting thing that you – wouldn't expect and don't know from reading a traditional Western that there actually were a lot of black cowboys. That is really interesting. That reminds me. Yeah. Um, Joe R. Lansdale. He also wrote one called paradise. Um, paradise sky that tells the story of, uh, um, Nate, um, Based on a on a true character, mm-hmm. uh, Nate Love, Nat Love, was a Buffalo soldier. Yeah, 
Um, and actually, Paulette Giles, who wrote the Hearts, no, who wrote the uh, the News of the World, um, there is a I can't remember his name, but there is a black um, Texas Ranger or sheriff, something like that, um, who was a real figure um, who appears in News of the World, and she wrote an earlier novel based on oh, him. Wow. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there are contemporary, the Compton Cowboys is about contemporary cowboys in an, in an urban setting, but historically there were also um, a lot of black cowboys. Yeah. So, if you're looking for a teen read for high school students, try The Lone Ranger, The Devil's Rope. Uh, written by Eisner Award nominee Mark Russell and illustrated by Bob Q. This graphic novel, set in 1887 Texas, pits the Lone Ranger and Tonto against wealthy, powerful enemies of liberty. Uh, rich landowners erecting barbed wire in opposition to free-range cowboys and continuing to oppress Native Americans and uh, freed black folks. Um the story definitely sticks to the same stereotypical archetypes that I think are often present in Westerns. Um, but to their credit, the creators of the comic uh, wrote clever characters who knew the way they were stereotyped and used it to their advantage. Uh, one instance was of Tonto, uh, who was a Native American, uh, cleaning a bar in return for alcohol, all while playing up to the expectations of the white owner and patrons to make them unsuspecting of him. But we later find out uh, that Tonto doesn't even drink the bottle of alcohol. Instead, he uses it to bribe his way into getting some important documents. Um, <laughs> the literal man-eating, queer-coded villain, however, falls right into the usual. Um, all that said, it's a decent Western story that nudges the genre into sympathetic uh, views of oppressed people. So I'd say it's a good story with a few flaws to take in stride. He, he did. He was cannibal. That's what I meant when I say man-eating. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like he ate their flesh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a teen book? Is it? Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, older teens. Uh, I would say high school. Uh, but it is recommended uh, teen plus uh-huh. on the book. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm um, glad you found one with some redeeming qualities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cannibals, yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Books and Bites podcast. To submit your entry for the Books and Bites challenge, visit our website at jesspublib.org forward slash books hyphen bites. Our theme song is The Breakers by Scott Whitten. You can learn more about Scott and his music on his website, adoreforadesk.com. <laughs>